Why don't you grab out your Bibles with a sense of expectancy, a sense of readiness, not because I have something particularly profound to say, but because this is God's Word and He always has something particularly profound to encourage us with. And we're going to head to the book of Acts. So turn with me. It's always a good book to go to, isn't it? Let's go to Acts chapter 3. Let me pray for us. And then we'll share a few things this morning. Lord, thank you for a new year. And in some ways, it's just a change of a number on a calendar. But in other ways, Lord, it's a sense to both look back and to remember your hand upon us, your faithfulness, your goodness, your grace, your mercy that is always so evident through the seasons of life. And at the same time, it's an opportunity to look forward, to try and grab a glimpse of what it is that's on your heart for us personally, what's on your heart for us as a church in the coming year. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that we would be a people simply desiring to be about your business, to be led by you. Would you come and illuminate the way forward? Speak to our hearts. We pray in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it's 2017, just in case you're just waking up and you'd only just realized it's a new year. And I've been quite surprised just how many people have been very happy. Hello, Felicity. I just saw you. Welcome. Nice to see you back from the UK. Anyone else visiting that I've missed, just in case I... No? Good, Ginny. We said hello to Ginny, I think, last week. Hello, Ginny, wherever she is. Good to have you with us too. Anyway, after that distraction, a lovely distraction, it's amazed me how many people have been so happy to see the back of 2016. I won't ask for a show of hands, but the comments on social media, I can't... Never been so glad to see the end of a year. 2016 is over, and I think there's a variety of reasons why that's been the case. But it's amazing how often we get into these mindsets that it's a change of date, and therefore everything's changed. It's one day later, therefore all the problems of 2016 are going to leave us behind. We love to make New Year's resolutions. I'm not against New Year's resolutions at all. As someone said, many people look forward to the new year for a new start to old habits which it can be. But just in case you haven't made any New Year's resolutions, here's a few, just because you look like you need some assistance this morning. This year, my New Year's resolution is I will assume full responsibility for all my actions, except for the ones that are someone else's fault. That's a good one. My New Year's resolution is to exercise my right to eat more chocolate. You don't need to own up to any of these. My New Year's resolution is 1080 pixels. Anyone? Someone got it. You'll get it. It'll come. It'll come. This year, my New Year's resolution is to break all my New Year's resolutions. That way, I will actually succeed at something. Perhaps. Or we could be a bit like, I love this quote. Not exactly a New Year's resolution quote, but a quote from the great Deal Moody, who once was asked the question, if you knew the Lord was returning tonight, how would you spend the rest of your day? How would you spend the rest of your day? He responded, I wouldn't do a thing different. Just do what I do every single day. 
Isn't that a great way to approach your day and approach your year? Just the same thing, just loving Jesus, seeking Him first, passionately loving people, living for His glory. Well, I am certainly coming to this year with a sense of expectancy, and I hope that some of us are as well. I believe that the Lord has some good things in store for us. And even in the midst of, I know there was challenges, there was challenges for people in our midst, challenges personally, challenges in the world. But for me, there was an overwhelming sense in 2016 of the faithfulness of God. I remember at the beginning of that year, I had the opportunity to preach, as I am this morning, the first Sunday of the year. And I felt like the Lord gave me a real, really simple encouragement for the year 2016. And it was just this, it was keep your gaze steady. Keep your gaze steady. And it's amazing how a simple phrase like that, I know that as I've shared that, some of the pastoral team has encouraged one another with that word at different times where we've needed it. We've just got to keep our gaze steady in the midst of all that's going on, the political shakings, things happening around the world, the tragedies. Keep your gaze steady. Always look to see what God is doing in the midst of anything and everything. And certainly, as I said, for me, that's been a reality of just seeing him shaping and forming me, seeing him at work. The theme I have for this year is quite different. And not that the Lord tends to abide by our calendars. He doesn't neatly fit into calendar years. I don't know if you found that as much as we'd like him to. But there is a sense, I believe, of the Lord leading us into some different areas. And I specifically want to focus on this passage. If you come in late. We're going to Acts chapter 3. This is a story of the first major public miracle that is recorded in the book of Acts in this period of the birth of the church. And I have been this past week, as I'm sure some of you have been, just praying, just seeking the Lord, trying to look back and to take stock, but then also say, okay, Lord, what, what is it for us in this coming year? What do I need to deal with and leave behind? And what do I need to pursue with passion in this coming season? And I felt, I think it was on Tuesday morning, early in the morning, not that I always like the Lord to speak this way, but he woke me up and I remember because I happened to look at the clock, which I don't always do, and it was 3.48. And the Lord doesn't often do this to me, but I felt like in that moment, as he woke me up, he said, Andrew, I want you to read Acts 3, verses 4 to 8. And that is the key verse for this year. So we'll read all of chapter 3, but particularly verses 4 to 8 is what I feel the Lord has for us this morning. It says in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. Excuse me. Peter and John, about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Verse 4, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and they said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And he took him by the hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And verse 8, And leaping, he stood and began to walk, entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. It's hard to read that verse without singing that old song. Move on quickly. I'll spare you this morning. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, recognizing him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. It's an incredible story, and there's many different things that we could focus upon in this account, but there's three aspects that jumped out to me, particularly in verse 4 to 8. As the Lord woke me up in the morning, he said, read Acts 3, 4 to 8. And I'll give them to you really quickly, and then we'll spend a little time just unpacking them. But I felt like the Lord said this to me. There's three things that struck me about this story. It's a story of great courage. I feel like the year is, this is a year when the Lord will be releasing a far greater courage. The second thing that struck me was the confidence, not in themselves, but in who he was. Silver and gold have I none, but I have a confidence in his willingness and his ability to give you what you really need. Courage, confidence, and clarity. You see, they were walking past this man, and they could have done a number of things. If we'd been in that situation, we could have perhaps given a word of encouragement. We could have given him a prayer. We could have perhaps said, look, has anyone got any money? Can we buy him lunch? But there was a clarity of focus. They saw the circumstance and they knew exactly how they were to respond with the power and presence of the living God. So this is what the Lord said. I believe it's a year where he's releasing greater courage, greater confidence, and greater clarity. A year of courage, a year of confidence, and a year of clarity. And very quickly, let me unpack those three different aspects. First of all, a greater release of courage. One of my favorite descriptions of the early disciples, if you read on in chapter 4, verse 13, as this story unfolds, everybody around had seen this public miracle. And as they appeared before the Sadducees, the rulers and authorities, they made this observation. It says they were amazed because of their boldness. And yet they knew they were just simple men. And I love their, confu- their conclusion was, so they knew they must have been with Jesus. They knew they must have been with Jesus. There was this boldness upon them. And what makes this, I believe, even more significant is this is Peter. It wasn't too long ago where he was cowering in a corner in a public setting where a servant girl, a nobody, accused him of being a follower of Christ. And he denied even having known him. And here he is with holy boldness that made the entire region stand up and take notice. Not only was this a pivotal moment in Peter's life, but this was a pivotal moment in the early church. You see, if we read the beginnings, we of course know that the Holy Spirit fell, this empowering, this encounter with the presence of God. And it says at the end of chapter 2 that the believers were gathering together. They were gathering daily in the temple. They were gathering in homes. There was this sense of church was going really well. They were having good meetings. People were giving great offerings. There was a sense of, this is wonderful. This is great. And yet this boldness was the very thing that caused church to leave the building. 
All of a sudden, church was no longer in the houses and the temple. It was in the public place. Nobody could deny this miracle. It was a public display of the grace and the glory of God. And so I believe it's that kind of boldness that takes people beyond what's normal and comfortable, that transforms the cowering Peter into a courageous declarer and demonstrator of the gospel and the glory of God, that takes us beyond what we have known, that the church might leave the building. That is the release of courage and boldness that I'm praying for this year for us. Number two, a greater confidence. There was a confidence, as I said, not in themselves. In fact, later on, if you read the story, they said, why are you looking at us? You're looking at us as if this is something to do with our righteousness, with something we've done. This is Him. This is all about Him. They had a confidence and assurance and understanding, a knowledge of the authority and the anointing of God upon their lives. There was no questions in their minds. They didn't walk up to this guy and say, look, I just, I've got this nudge from the Lord. I've just got this sense that maybe the Lord might be doing something. They didn't work up to it. They didn't say, well, I can see you crippled, but is there, is there pain anywhere else in your body? Have you got a headache we can pray for? Have you got something else? They didn't say, well, is there any improvement? Is it 10% better, 20%? Is there a 30% improvement? It literally says that Peter proclaims and then seizes this man by the hand and pulls him to his feet as the power of God completely heals and restores him. There's a couple of aspects of this I want to make mention of. Number one, I, I do believe, and I know this is, it's easy sometimes to say, I believe the Lord's going to do what I want Him to do, rather than what He is actually wanting to do. But I do believe that the Lord is increasing the authority and the anointing upon people's lives. I believe that's a personal thing, but I believe that's a corporate thing as well. And I know it was Peter who prophesied at the end of last year about an increase of angelic activity. And I think it's sometimes that in our Western mindset, we're so far removed from it. If you read the, the book of Daniel and elsewhere in the Bible, you see this incredible picture into the reality of the spiritual world. These messengers that are sent and assigned by God for specific missions. And where is 2016 kind of felt like a year of the Lord saying, just be still. Just keep your eyes upon me. There's been this stirring, I believe, as there's been a stirring in the natural in terms of what's going on politically and nationally, I believe there's a real stirring in the spirit that is happening and the Lord is releasing a greater sense of His angelic presence and specifically His authority and His anointing upon people's lives to accomplish that which He desires to do. I think we've seen that already, but I believe that will increase as this year unfolds. And not only is it a sense of the Lord increasing His authority and His anointing, but the Lord is calling us to have greater confidence to walk in that which He is releasing upon us. There are sovereign times and seasons of the Lord. And in fact, this this whole scene plays out under the gate beautiful. There's a lot in there, but gate, gates are always used as places of authority. It was the gate in the city 
that was where all the major affairs and transactions of the city happened. And this miracle happens in the place of authority. So this picture of the increase of authority, I, I'll give you this one for free, but um, this is not my message this morning, but I, I happened to be uh, a few months ago now, I was on this new little ride on mower that I had bought to try and keep down some of the grass at our property after all the rains we've had. I happened to be mowing the lawns and there was waist-high grass, there was fruitfulness all around as I was attempting to, uh, to get the lawnmower through and just it's a wonderful time. I always find that the Lord speaks to me best when I'm kind of zoned out. I'm in the car driving, I'm just out going for a walk in nature and a bit like, you know, the Lord often uses pictures of what's going on around to speak to people. Like he says to Abraham, he says, look up at the stars. And this is what it means for you. This is the reality there. And so I felt like the Lord said, look around. And I could see this billowing cloud coming in across the mountains as I was mowing the lawns. And I felt like the Lord just said in that picture, he said, I'm sending the rain to prepare the harvest. That's what I felt like he said. And I don't know if that's something that we will see necessarily the fullness of this year. But I believe that in the midst of everything else that's going on, that the Lord really is releasing a sovereign work of His Holy Spirit. And I would encourage us, you know, it's easy to say nice things, to say, well, the Lord's going to do this and that. But if there is a sense that the Lord is doing this, then it is up to us to really pray into these things, I believe. So often it's an invitation. It's the Lord saying, this is my heart, but will you run with this? Will you pray? Will you seek? Are we actually hungry to see a move of His presence? Because that's what we need more than anything else, I believe. It's coming anyway. There we go. We'll receive that. Peter's faith was not in what he possessed, but it was in the one who possessed him. He just had a hold of this incredible God. Jesus Christ heals you, not in his ability, but in what the Lord sovereignly wanted to do through him. And so we've got to grab a hold of. He's increasing greater confidence to accomplish his purpose. He's sovereignly moving, increasing authority and anointing and calling us to have confidence in who he is and what he says and has said and will say to us. And number three, greater clarity of calling. You see, there was no confusion or doubt in Peter and John's mind as they saw this circumstance, as they saw this man who had been unable to walk since birth. They had one vision. They could have offered a prayer, kind words of blessing. They could have provided practical assistance. They could have taken up an offering, bought him lunch. They could have established an organization to take care of poor people. They could have done a number of other things. Wonderful, good ideas. But I have this sense of the Lord saying, in this year of courage and of confidence in Him, it's not for greater influence in society and the world, influence this, that, the other, but it's for one specific purpose. Because for too long, I think the church and many Christians have been distracted by good causes that they've forgotten the cause of Christ. They've forgotten that we are here to express the power and the person of Jesus to those who need it most. 
These believers knew exactly what their mission was. They saw the need. They expressed the power of God. They proclaimed healing in Jesus' name to His glory, and they demonstrated the gospel of the kingdom. There's a story that I've heard before. You may have heard this one. It's a story of Thomas Aquinas who once visited Pope Innocent II when the latter was counting out a large sum of money. The Pope said to Thomas, You see, Thomas, the church can no longer say, Silver and gold have I none. True Holy Father, Thomas responded, But neither can she now say, Rise and walk. That's not in any way supposed to be a slight on the Catholic Church, but it is a picture of any church that trades the riches of heaven for the riches of earth. Any church that reduces its focus to what it can do towards the things of this world is devoid of the power of God. Whereas it's the churches that either through necessity or intentional decision forsake the things of this world where the power of God is fully expressed. It's allowing the main thing to become the main thing again. Not an increase in authority that releases influence in different areas that we can have programs and meetings and performances and entertainment, but it is a move of the Holy Spirit where the calling is refined and reshaped, where there is a clarity about what we are to do, to declare and proclaim the kingdom of God to a world that desperately needs to see and to hear Jesus. So as I said, those three things that I want to encourage us with, that the Lord this year is releasing courage, is releasing a confidence, again, in who He is, an increase of anointing and authority, but a clarity that we would not be distracted by good ideas, but that we would see what the Lord is doing and we would respond and see Him do incredible things through us. Amen? Can we stand as we conclude the service? I want to pray for us this morning along these lines. And then as I mentioned earlier, we do have a, a practice where not every year, but often we, we offer people an opportunity to come forward and to just receive a prayer of blessing and perhaps a word of encouragement for the year ahead. We have the, the board and the elders and the pastors, the leadership of the church who are very willing to do that and we'll stay and hang around as long as it takes. It often takes an hour or longer. So if you would like that, please feel free to just hang around at the conclusion of the service and we'll set up a few different stations here. You can come forward. There is always a sense in my mind of there's a, a personal responsibility, isn't there, in our walk before the Lord to seek Him and to know what the Lord is saying for us. But there's also times where the Lord can use someone else just to give us a word of encouragement, a word of confirmation as to what He's saying. And so if you feel this morning like that is something you need, then you're very welcome to avail yourself of that. If you need prayer for anything else, then there will be an opportunity. You can come forward and we'll pray with you. But let me just pray for you in this vein as we conclude. Heavenly Father, as we conclude this time together, we've heard 
your word proclaimed. And Lord, I pray that whatever is of you, would you cause it to resonate in our hearts? Would you cause us to be a people who always willingly look for what you're saying? And as and when we hear you speak, grab a hold of it with a sense of boldness to see you accomplish what you desire to accomplish in us personally and through us as your people. So I thank you, Lord, for all that you have in store for us this year. Personally, as a people, for us as a nation, and in the nations of the earth. I thank you that we can look to you in the midst of whatever else is going around and see your purpose and plans at work. And may this be a year, as we've proclaimed, a year of courage, a year of confidence, and a year of clarity. Come and do whatever you need to do to prepare us as a people. And Lord, our heart's desire is that you would be glorified, that your name, Jesus, would be exalted, and that you would accomplish whatever you desire to, that your kingdom would come, and that your will would be done afresh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.